0: going on and welcome back this is the fantasy alarm nascar dfs podcast brought to you through the better sports network i am dan malin and i am joined by the fswa three-time nascar writer of the year matt Sells. matt we get one of the best tracks on the schedule this weekend uh we are at homestead miami speedway plenty of grooves to run you can run along the wall there's tire wear how excited for you are you i mean i know we're kind of getting to the last few races It's, it's a long season but this this track always produces great racing
1: yeah, I'm very excited. Homestead is phenomenal, even with terrible cars. And now we have cars that are really good on mile and a half tracks. Um, so the bar is set pretty high for this race, not to mention it's a playoff race, round of eight. Uh, we already have one driver with their ticket punched to the championship for shocker, Kyle Larson. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for this one. And let me say this, practice and qualifying did not disappoint. We are recording this about eleven AM Saturday morning after Cup Practice and Qualifying. That's right. It's already after that. So if you didn't get up early, <laughs> you already missed practice and qualifying. Um Yeah, it was it was pretty exciting to see the tire fall off for one and to find out that Goodyear in their in their tire notes ranks this as their number two most tire fall off track behind Darlington.
0: Did they give like an indicator on how they grade that? Like how close is it to Darlington or maybe how far ahead it is in terms of tire wear compared to like Auto Club, for example?
1: That I'm not sure. They made mention of it on the broadcast. Um, It kind of took some of the broadcasters by surprise that it was number two Um, because, you know, Auto Club is up there too. You'd suspect uh, Kansas has a little bit of tire fall off. Um, Texas has a decent amount of fall off. So it is a bit surprising that it's number two, but they did not really give an indication as to how close it is considering what we've all come to expect from Darlington uh, that just eats up tires at a ridiculous clip.
0: So let's just do, like a, I guess, just a quick little preview because this is the last intermediate race on the schedule, uh, last intermediate package that we'll see of the season uh homestead is a mile and a half but it's also just a perfect oval um honestly you get some really nice scenic shots like i was watching (laughs) uh xfinity qualifying from last night and it the sun was setting as a running and it was beautiful for the most part um but you know is is there anything else that we really need to keep an eye on out or keep an eye on with you know how they race here you know we did mention that you can run the wall which is why we love seeing kyle larson and, and tyler reddick at tracks like this
1: Yeah, um, it's just really a matter of how quickly they'll get to the wall. Um, In practice, Bubba Wallace was up there 10 laps in. Larson was up there, I think, four laps in. Um, That's where a lot of the speed is because there's progressive banking on this track. So that means the closer you get to the wall, the steeper the banking, so you can carry more speed, keep the momentum up. Obviously, there's the risk of getting into the wall. With the new cars, the next-gen cars, and the composite bodies, there's a little bit less risk because the bodies take more of a beating. So you don't immediately get like a tire rub for touching the wall. Um, but we did see true X hold off on getting up to the wall. It, you know, his crew chief said, Hey, they're faster than you up by the wall. He goes, I know I'm not there yet. Um, so, you know, we did see Larson at the end of his 10, 15 lap run, go to the bottom groove to see if he could find some speed down there. Cause they're going to have to shift throughout the, Throughout the race, it's, it's going to be kind of like what we see at Darlington, where if you watch just a race flow in time lapse, it looks like the field kind of serpentines up and down the track as they try mm-hmm. to find where the speed is and where less cars are, right? Because if everybody's up top, <laughs> that means you can pass people on the bottom. So this is, yeah, it's unlike really any other mile and a half track because it's not a tri-oval, it's not a quad-oval, Um a very similar track to it is Auto Club, to be honest. Even though it's a D-shaped oval, it kind of drives like a regular oval. And the tire wear. Um, so, yeah, you're correct. It is the last intermediate package because uh, Phoenix doesn't run the intermediate package. It's a completely different animal. So, unfortunately, this is the last time we're going to see my favorite package on the racetrack <laughs> this year. Um, but, yeah, Homestead, it's its one of those tracks where you really have to find the guys that have long run speed because that's really what's going to let guys move up through the field. Um, and there will be tire issues. There will be. Just, let's just get ready for it.
0: Would you say that it's... So my brother-in-law texted me last night and he asked me, you know, what kind of track is Homestead. And I'm like, well, you know, mile and a half intermediate, a lot of tire wear, multiple groups. And he's like, is it hard to pass? And I had to think about it. And I'm like, and I was looking at previous races and you, you can see guys that move up to the field, but it's like, I, I can't recall if passing is easy here or if it ultimately just comes down to, do you have the right strategy and do you have fresher tires? Because on fresher tires, yes. Very easy to pass. Uh, but would you say this is a track that's easy to pass at, or you know, can those guys that start deeper in the field essentially just gain track position with the right strategy?
1: I think um, that's a very good question, to be honest, because when you think about it, it's like, oh, it's multi-grooves, there's guys going everywhere, and then you think about it, and you're like, <clears throat> well, did they pass because it was a green flag pass, or did they pass because pit stop strategy, and they had fresher tires, and then a restart happened, and then they held track position right i think it's a little bit of both i think if you have the right setup on the car i think if you have long run speed you can make passes under green flag conditions um in the last five races here we have seen roughly half of the top 10 finishers start outside the top 12 okay so you can move up into the top 10 that being said out of the 24 races here only three times has the winner come from outside the top 20 starting spots and 24 races here all time and like 17 of the group of 21 have come from inside the top 10. <laughs> so winners typically start in the top 10, but people who can finish in the top 10 often start further in the back and move up either via strategy or green flag speed or. They just got, you know, had an issue in qualifying or late in practice like Joey Logano. Um, So you can pass. But moving up and winning from anywhere super far back is is less common here.
0: All right. Uh, Is there anything noteworthy from practice? I know we, we we talk about how. This is a a track that just caters to to Kyle Larson, and from the sound of it, I didn't have eyes on practice, but you did fortunately, uh, and you said he was what a half second faster than pretty much everyone else
1: at one point, yeah, and then he finished uh, third. There was uh, in his group for single lap runs. Um, there was a tweet earlier this week that I saw and I forget who, who tweets it but they do this every week where they say if this race had been run entirely under green here's what the pure speed finish positions would have been and you would have won
0: race. yeah I think he, I think I saw the same thing and You would have he won, would by, have like won two by two
1: laps. and a half miles <laughs> yeah which reminder this is a mile and a half track so <laughs> second place would have been a lap down <laughs> and third place I think would have been two laps down if I read the tweet correctly so this is a haven for kyle larson he dominated here last year he led i think 199 of the 267 laps um but i guess here's my question to you are you putting any stock in his win last week for this week's dfs so
0: that's kind of where i struggled with the truck playbook because no doubt in my mind Corey heim has been like the the best truck for most of the year. I mean, second, uh, you know, there's, there's a close second time of Jeske, but since, you know, his crew chief was suspended and everything, like he's, he hasn't done well, but Corey Haim is locked into Phoenix already. And so I wasn't sure, like, do I still feel good about who I perceive as the best driver in the field in this race specifically for DFS. So I'm off it for Haim because I feel like he's just already, he's been focusing on Phoenix for over a month now with Larson though. I just get the sense that you know he won last week but this is also a track that he's historically just been so awesome at and you know dominated this race a year ago and so I think we've seen plenty of time in previous round of eights where somebody wins Vegas and then they can come and still win another race in the round of eight because these guys are still professionals they want the big payday I still think he goes out and just has an absolutely like kick-ass day so I don't think he's too focused on Phoenix yet. I think if he was to dominate this race, then maybe next week at Martinsville, he probably coasts a little bit with full focus on Phoenix. So for this week, I still really like the play and think that there's a ton of dominator potential for
1: him. I do too, because the other side of it is, well, he's locked in, but now he can basically pick and choose how hard he makes it for his – Yeah, competitors, right? Obviously, he's pulling for William Byron to get into the championship board. It's better for Hendrick um, to have multiple chances to win the title. Um, But if he wins here tomorrow on Sunday at Homestead, he forces three people to point their way in or win out in Martinsville and two guys point their way in. Um, and you can't do the Ross Chastain wall slide anymore, that got banned. So, you actually have to race it on the track, you can't pull video game maneuvers. So, I think there's that. I don't think he's and it's Larson every time he's behind the wheel, he wants to win, right? That's just mm-hmm. the guy he is. Doesn't matter what he's driving, could be a golf cart, he'd try to beat you to the next. Team. <laughs> like, um, so I, I think there are some people that will say, well, he won last week. He already said he's turning his attention to Phoenix and then just kind of not want to play him. Cause he is, by the way, the most expensive guy on the board for TFS and not, and it's not necessarily that close. So you I mean to-
0: among the drivers that are $10,000 or more, he's probably going to be the most popular one. So this isn't necessarily like if you're doing one lineup, I would probably fade him. Like, Right. Get creative with that one tournament lineup if you're just doing a single entry contest, and just avoid the easy chalk. Like, you know, play Tyler Reddick, who's 10-7, and starts in front of Larson, and has a similar driving style on this track.
1: Right, and has done pretty well. I mean, he doesn't have a win here, but he's come close. <clears throat> um, it,
0: this is also the track where he a couple of years ago. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like favorite. he he finished the second-to-last lap, thought it was over, and started like, and he took his foot off the gas. Yes. And yeah. Okay. So I yeah, thought that. Yes. Yeah. This
1: is the one where he lost track of the lap number, as did his team apparently, and he lost like four spots because he <laughs> he thought the race was over. Um, I think he was what second or third at the time that he crossed on the penultimate lap, and then he finished like seventh, I think. Um, and he just he owned it. I mean, congrats to him for owning it. He's also in a Hamburglar car this week. Um, <laughs> That's fantastic. So uh, Bubba's in the Grimace car, and Reddick is in the Hamburglar. Um, and I'm wondering if he hits a certain speed, if his car is going to disappear, the Hamburglar one, because mm. it's got this crazy white and black striping in a crazy design. Thank God we're not at Darlington with this, with the striping on the walls at Darlington. It would be terrible
0: for television.
1: <laughs> it would be, yeah, it, it would be atrocious. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, Larson is going to be very interesting. I will tell you the one guy in the top, in the above 10K range on DK that I'm not playing. Go for it. Christopher Bell. Why's that? There are going to be people that are like, well, he almost won last week at Vegas, and he almost had a fast enough car to chase down Kyle Larson, and had that race gone two more laps, he probably would have gotten there. Yep. There's also people that are mad that he didn't punt Kyle Larson to win the race. I'm like, fuck.
0: He's Why not that
1: kind of guy. No. But he has self admitted that this is one of his worst tracks. And it's no. it's true. He has no he's got <clears throat> no stage points at this. At this do you think track. he just struggles to manage the tires? He just can't figure the track out for whatever reason. He he just can't do it. So I know he seems tasty at starting 13th and you're going, oh, well, if he finishes top five, there's some value there. There's no track history to suggest that he can pull that off.
0: Uh, well, DK finally uh, uploaded the yeah. uh, starting position. So, you know, we've already kind of hammered out the top 10, or not the top 10, but, you know, the 10K and up range. Uh, at 97, playing, we have...
1: Are you playing X on the pole? Uh, probably. Yeah. Doesn't I think he's he started it out last week. Yeah. Um, he's also up against it. He has no points to fall back to. Right. Um, and um, he's on the cut line. So, although next really week love- does have his name in it. <laughs> it does. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I do like the pole sitter at Homestead. Um, I like, and I love the Toyotas in this package. Uh, so, it's going to be very hard for me to avoid Shrek. So
1: I'll probably do three also, lineups. by the way, the 500th. Toyota pole across all three national series. Yeah, good for them. Very, very good team. No, I didn't just know that. They said it on the broadcast. I don't know. It was just stored in my head. Um,
0: given how rough the playoffs have been for Kyle Busch, he's 9,700 and he starts P18. Are you okay going there? I, again, I didn't see practice, so I don't I don't know what kind of speed he had in the short run. I don't know how bad the car was with tire fall-up. I, or-
1: I would save the money and go with his teammate. We said I didn't say his name. I just said his name.
0: <laughs> I know, but I said in the Discord <laughs> that I would not say his name.
1: You haven't yet, so there you go. Now we can. You move really on. want to play Austin yeah. Dillon starting P six? I tried to get you out of saying the name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to ask now because you just insinuated it.
1: <laughs> Why not? He's sixty four hundred bucks. If he hangs in the top ten, which, by the way, he's done every time he's come to Homestead. There's value.
0: Mm-hmm. He kind of reminds me of Joe Graf Jr. for the Xfinity Series race today because Graff is in a JGR car starting P11 and he's 6,700. And I'm like, well, if he just hangs out, like he's going to be fine. And then, that's arguably the same thing with Dylan. Um, and you know what? You can probably deal with him losing a few spots and just finishing in the top 10. And as long as you have the right dominators, you can just... I guess be okay with the fact that if he loses some points, you at least compensate with the dominator points on
1: the other end. Yeah, I mean that's all it comes down to, right? You're just hoping he holds the spot, which is yeah. historical average finish here suggests he should be able to do.
0: Uh, so, let's l-
1: you go ahead. Sorry, I mean Kyle Busch did have nice overall speed at practice. I will say that um, his overall lap times were better. Um, than his teammates, so we could look there. Um, I was just suggesting for price savings because it's going to come down to you're gonna have to basically try to get two guys above 9,500 that can dominate, yeah. And I mean. <clears throat> You know, if, if you need cost savings, Austin Dillon's probably the most exciting guy. Mm-hmm. For GPPs, I don't know if I would play him in cash. But for tournaments, I'm fine with Austin Dillon. Uh,
0: a cash game lock, as it would appear. Joey Logano, 8,500, starting P36. has to, It will be going to a backup car. Uh, yeah. Still good equipment. You have to assume he can at least move up, uh, get inside the top 20. Probably top 15 at this price tag easy path to five, maybe even six X value. Um, so you're kind of just, he's a free square for cash games, but how heavy would you go in tournaments? Would you either be excessively overweight or
1: would you rather just. I would be really underweight. Really? Yes. Cause I don't know. I mean, the 20 lap speed was nice from Logano in practice, admittedly. But I still have questions about how well the Fords have fully figured out this package outside of RFK. I feel like the rest of them have basically struggled most of the season. Um, And by the way, at Vegas, the two dudes we were booking for cash game locks had a little bit of a tough time moving up quite as easily as we thought. Like, Suarez didn't do anything. Right? I mean, Chase Elliott figured it out and moved up, although there was some strategy involved there. I'm not sure it was purely on speed. But if Penske can't figure out their main cars, do we have faith <clears throat> that they can figure out a backup car?
0: That's fair, but in cash games, you're probably just okay. Just I'm locking. fine
1: eating the chalk in cash games because oh, everybody's yeah. doing it. But in tournaments, I think there's creative guys that you can play in the, I mean, it's not like Logano is, I mean, he's basically mid average price on DK and, and Vandal. So, you know, he's sandwiched by the RFK guys. I'd feel more comfortable with that. Chastain, Bubba, Bowman. I'd be more happy to play those guys in tournaments than Lugano. Uh
0: What's the read on Kevin Harvick this week? Uh, Four, five out of the last six races, he starts 20th or worse. And you just kind of have to assume he can move up and finish top 12. Didn't get to 5X value last week, but, you know, he was 8K, got 36 points. I mean, you can just kind of take that in cash games.
1: Yeah, I mean, he came close. Um, They named the race after him. That's got to count for something.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: Right? It's the forever 400. Yep. And he's got a throwback Budweiser scheme on his car from his 29 days. Um, so that's got to account for something, right? I mean, <laughs> it's just Harvick; he can move up about seven, eight, nine spots, and we'll be fine. It's it's not sexy anymore. It hasn't been for a while, <laughs> but he works. Look, if you pair Logano and Harvick in cash games, that gives you a lot to operate with. You can go get a dominator or two, mm-hmm. and then get some cheap dudes to round out the, the the lineup.
0: How do you feel about Bubba this week? 7900, he's on the pole. We love the Toyotas in this package. Or do you th- or do you think that his teammate just easily gets by him? Because it looks like it's a better race for Tyler Reddick anyway, but it's really hard to I would deny. take the shot
1: on GP and GPPs. No, I
0: agree, yeah, but like not a can, lot. He can be so fast, like, but I, I feel it would obviously be a better read if he was, if this was like a Kansas race or maybe even Vegas like last week. But, you know, Bubba just being on the front row does kind of intrigue me because nobody wants to play him.
1: No, but you also have to keep in mind this is his first time at Homestead in the next-gen car. Was, he didn't race last year? No. He decided to, to punch Larson in the face at Vegas. Forgot about that. Holy crap! Lurs okay, came off the wall, wrecked him, and then Bubba wrecked him back, and then they got out, and Bubba decided to punch Larson in the face, and then got a one-week vacation, which Ryan Blaney brought up when they were feuding on Twitter this week.
0: Yes, forgot about that as well. Um, all right. Well, who are we looking at in the value range? Uh, as some of your top plays, we don't need them all. We know you have the playbook coming out. I'm sure you have a lot of guys in there, but like, who are one or two guys that you really like?
1: Um, there, you know, we talked about one of them, the guy who. We shall not name again on this podcast. <laughs> um, Dinger is intriguing to me. He re- he runs really well here. He finished third here, um, was it last year or two years ago? Um, you know, a bunch of these guys are offering PD. It seems like everybody under 7K is starting, like, 25th on back, basically. Yeah. Except for the guy that we've already named who we said we wouldn't. Um I think there's there's you know it's kind of a pick and choose situation. Guys who you've been able to play most of the season for PD are in play again. Um, I'm not terribly excited about Austin Sindrick. LaJoy, I think is starting about six spots closer to the front than I would like him to to be, but I could get behind him, I guess, a little bit in GPPs. Um, not playing Ryan Newman can tell you that much right now. What car is he
0: even in? Rick in the Ware,
1: one, I think he's in the 51.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't play Ryan Newman when I can just save $400 and go with Ty Dillon.
1: Yeah, basically same equipment, but I trust Ty Dillon more.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ty Dillon is at least like I feel good about Ty Dillon just getting 20 points and just calling it a day <laughs> like, well, at, at, got
1: 5, at Vegas. Like, yeah,
0: like if he gets 20 points I'm happy with that. It's not 5x value, but you know he's a punt and I can open up and allocate salary elsewhere.
1: Correct. Yeah. So, you know, it's that it hasn't been great for Ty Dillon except for like Daytona. Um the one in which he didn't blow an engine on the first lap. Um <laughs> So, I don't know. We can go a lot of different places with with value plays. I'll have a few of them in the playbook for sure. I do think the way that qualifying shook out, there are some interesting plays that we can look at. Um, there might be a few names in the playbook this week that haven't been there in a while. Uh, no, I'm not just changing things up. I actually like the plays. <laughs> so, there is that. But it does get very interesting at the 10k range deciding which ones to put together. I do And how many...
0: Like- how many are you considering dominators in your lineup? Is this a two dominator lineup? Do you maybe try to get a little bit weird with one dominators? We haven't I think it seen might be a one dominator race for Larson, or
1: I think the longer it goes green, the more likely it's Larson. I think my what hangs me up with
0: going with one, two, or three dominators is that we just, in this package, I don't think we've really seen too many one dominator races. I think if this was the short track package, like next week at Martinsville, um, I I might commit some lineups to just one dominator. The intermediate package, especially with high tire wear and how the track position is going to get shook, shook up because of tire strategy and everything. Like I think that we just see a lot of guys just filter to the lead and Man, it, it, it's really hard for me to feel good about a one-dominator build at this track.
1: I mean, it's true, but last year in the next-gen card, Larson led 199 laps. I know, yeah. In this package, starting fifth, by the way, which he's starting on Sunday. um pole center was William Byron. He led 32 laps, finished 12th. Seabell started second, finished 11th, led four laps. Denny led four laps starting 14th, finished seventh. Uh, MTJ started 12th, finished sixth, led 28 laps.
0: What so is your overall good. read on Byron? I know we didn't really talk about him too much.
1: I think he's, he's really good here. I mean, he he's won here before, right? In, in the uh, March of 2021, kind yeah. of came out of nowhere and just <clears> straight up dominated that race. Um, also the one where Chris Busher somehow showed up and led a bunch of laps that nobody expected. Um, I, I think he's perfectly in play here. I really do. Um, I think Hendrick would prefer to lock him up in the in the championship and then have to go to Martinsville without a care in the world because those are the only two guys that are in the playoffs for Hendrick at this point. So if they can show up to Martinsville without having to really worry, except for maybe Chase, who's still in the owner yeah. playoffs, which is actually worth more money than the driver playoffs. Um, I think that would be a dream scenario for them. So, I look, Byron was pretty quick at practice. So, I'm, I'm pretty fine. I mean, again, the longer the cars stayed on the track, the Hendrick Speed showed up. So...
0: Can I just say, like, you absolutely nailed Ross Chastain last week, uh, starting P10 and finished fifth with 15 fastest laps, and he got 51 points at 8,300. They juiced his price tag back up this week to $9,000. Kind of starts in a similar spot at P8. Is there any interest there? Yes. Yeah?
1: It's a narrative race for Chastain.
0: Would this be, like, a home track for him? I'm not sure where – because I know he's from Florida. I just didn't know where in relation to South Florida.
1: Well, it's also – track house
0: oh the connection with pitbull
1: yeah pitbull who by the way is the grand marshal for the race um but yeah co-owner of the team where's chastain's last win nashville where they're based and now you're gonna go race (laughs) where pitbull mr 305 lives um so yeah i mean he's also from florida that's true but like daytona counts as a home race for him too um but I, I I do think that the ownership aspect, not to mention this is usually a pretty good track for Chastain. Yeah, he's he's had runner ups here, so I mean I, I, I'm intrigued by him. I think people are gonna kind of beg off because they upped his price tag, but I think he's capable of having a similar race to what he did last week. All right. Well, Matt, any final thoughts before you go? Third to
0: last race of the season, last intermediate race, unfortunately, before we have to endure two races in the short track package.
1: Yeah, man. Is, is this the goes? last
0: good race we see of the year?
1: Maybe. I don't want to say the championship's going to be bad, but like history tells you that Phoenix is put on very good championship races. It was really underwhelming last year. It's been underwhelming since they moved it to Phoenix, and they're going to keep it at Phoenix because, I guess, hurricanes? I don't know. Um, (laughs) They just don't want the hurricane chance in South Florida at that time of year, I guess. I don't know. I'd be perfectly fine if they moved it back to Homestead and gave the championship back to a driver's track. Um, But, no, Homestead should be a great race on Sunday.
0: All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you this weekend, and best of luck to the FA Nation.
1: Best of luck, FA Nation.